Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're going to have a great show today. Thank you for joining us. As many of you know, uh, the show is co-hosted by myself, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and Dr. Raleigh Nadler, your leadership development coaches, and we have enjoyed being with you for many years, and we hope you feel the same about us. We have helped thousands of leaders like you and executives to perform in the top 10%, and we are very excited to continue on that venture with you today by featuring two exceptional women leaders in consulting. That's Jennifer McCollum, who's visited with us before, and you're going to hear more about her and her team at Linkage. She is the CEO of Linkage, and her colleague, Susie Kelleher, Vice President of Consulting. And Susie, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly when you come on and join us in a few minutes. I'm sure you'll be able to... uh, to straighten that out, so I apologize if I haven't said it correctly. So, you know, as we go through the program today, both um, Jennifer, who is the CEO of Linkage, uh, and uh, Susie, who, as I said, is the Vice President of Consulting, they will talk to us about how they oversee the strategic direction and global operations in consulting of this Boston, Massachusetts-based leadership development firm. And, of course, Jennifer has has led and grown leadership development businesses uh, at CEB, now Gartner, and, of course, Corn Ferry, uh, where um, my buddy, uh, CEO Gary Bernison, uh, is just a fantastic leader. And in addition to running her own leadership consulting firm, Susie is head of consulting and leads all training and delivery of their solutions across the globe. She's been a healthcare provider, a sales consultant, a people leader, a coaching consultant, and she's combined, um, you know, over 50 years of experience and deep expertise in designing and delivering leadership solutions along with Jennifer and leading teams within the business. They are both frequent speakers and consultants with a mission to change the face of leadership. And as you know, I'm a big fan of Linkage. I was a speaker at Linkage uh, for several of their women in leadership programs and uh, launched my, uh, my first um, New York Times bestselling book there, uh, what happy women know and what happy working mothers know. Uh, Linkage has dedicated more than 30 years to improving leadership effectiveness and equity. Okay, equity, that's an important important point for today in uh, certainly hundreds of global organizations. And Linkage provides solutions to accelerate purposeful leadership, which we're going to uh, expand on today advancing women leaders, and creating cultures of inclusion using, of course, assessments, training, coaching, consulting, and their conferences, which we're going to talk about today. And as you know, Raleigh and I are 
big advocates of using assessments and training and coaching. You know, in our prior episodes, we shared uh, with uh, Jennifer's help uh, the linkage purposeful leadership model. And for those of you who haven't listened to those shows yet, please go out, download them, listen to them. Great content. But just to touch upon those subjects, we talked about how linkage has studied what the best leaders do with data from a million leaders, and they developed the purposeful leadership model, which provides for a very important formula that leaders who generate the best results, they not only align their personal purpose to the organizational direction, but they use it to fulfill five specific specific commitments. And this is so important to inspire, engage, innovate, achieve, and become. And then in our second show, we talked to Jennifer and another colleague about how advancing women leaders across industries can underscore business success. And as you all know, uh, in our prior shows, we talked about how linkage has changed, but linkage has historically addressed the challenge of advancing women leaders, surfacing specific hurdles that women face and the key competencies that are required to overcome them. In fact, for the last 20 years, Linkage has been known for their dynamic, interactive conferences in person, but their flagship Women in Leadership Institute is now available virtually, okay, from November 9th to the 12th with all the same great knowledge, experience, and interactive exercises. So this four-day leadership experience is designed specifically for women leaders at all levels, and it includes best-selling author Glennon Doyle, broadcasting legend Soledad O'Brien, Wall Street star Carla Harris, (laughs) trailblazing sports agent Molly Fletcher, and more. And in addition to what's going on there. They have master classes, learning teams, and they do many different assessments, including a 360, which we all need. So today, we're going to build on these topics. And across the last year, Linkage isolated specific inclusive leadership behaviors and found they correlate effectively to purposeful leadership, including inclusion as a proxy for effective leadership. So we are very excited about the show today. Relly, welcome to the show. Love to hear a little more about perhaps why we do this show and um, just a little bit about how uh, you are thinking about Emotional Brilliance and our new book. Sure. Well, thanks, Kathy. And uh, Jennifer and Susie, I'm really excited that we're going to continue talking with you. We have a set of some really good uh, questions to ask you. And I think this idea of being brilliant, being the kind of the leader, being the beacon, shining the light on the organization of what's important. Um, often, uh, Kathy and I like to talk about the, the leader is the mind of the team, meaning they kind of make sense of everything that's going on. We know we're in a really challenging uh, place 
today in leadership. There's so many different issues to deal with today. We're going to be talking more about diversity and in- inclusion. And so the leader really shapes the conversation, uh, focuses the conversation, sheds light on their own perspective, but what is the perspective of the organization? And in our book, we talk about emotional brilliance, and it really is that aspect of, in the moment, what is this? the tools, what are the skills that you pull out of your, your tool kit that is just the right tool for that right situation? And so today we'll hear a little bit more about that. So, Kath, maybe we should just jump into, the, into uh, these questions that we have. And maybe, Jennifer, you want to start us off? We've been talking about DNI for a decade, diversity and inclusion. Uh, so why continue our focus on this today? Thank you, Relly. And thank you, Kathy, for such a, a lovely introduction. I have so enjoyed working with you all over the last many months as we continue the important conversations of uh, effective leadership, inclusive leadership, and now importantly, the advancement of women and all underrepresentation. Um, as Kathy mentioned, I'm just gonna, I'm going to start with the big picture. Uh, with Linkage's mission, which is to change the face of leadership. And we take that really seriously, but it actually has two different meanings. The first is a figurative meaning, and that's about changing perception about what effective leadership is. And, And more and more, we're surfacing the critical role of inclusion as it relates to effective leadership. And the second definition is really a literal. We are all about leadership equity, which means helping women and other underrepresented populations rise in leadership roles. So as Kathy mentioned in the introduction, we have been doing this hard work across the last 30 years, studying leaders to answer the question, what is it the most effective leaders do, and studying the advancement of women to figure out how to really crack this significant problem in underrepresentation in leadership. So you asked the question, Relly. We've been talking about DNI for a decade. Why continue our focus on this? It's actually really simple, because we're not making enough progress. We know this has been really well studied. We know the business imperative for organizations. We know that companies in the top quartile for ethnic and cultural diversity are. 35% more likely to post better financial performance. They're also more likely to uh, create decision-making that is both faster as well as more innovative, and the teams will be much more highly performing if they are diverse teams. But here's the problem. What we've been doing across the last decade is simply not working. There has been an estimated $8 billion a year spent on this problem from things like setting diversity targets, to unconscious bias training, to employee resource groups. And this is even before the impacts of the COVID crisis, as well as the Black Lives Matter crisis. Uh, so at Linkage, we, and then again with the, with the recent death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we are absolutely committed to continuing to carry this torch because here's some difficult statistics. If you look at every level of government, from the president to the vice president to the Senate to the House, it is 
75 to 100 percent white, depending on what uh, you know what what role of government you're looking at. When you look at military advisors, 100 percent white. When you look at federal judges, when you look at media, when you look at television, it's 99 percent men, 95 percent white. In order to move this needle, we have to do different things. And that's why we continue to focus on it at at Linkage to really provide that roadmap. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. What do we as leaders need to do and what do we as organizations need to do? Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Wow. Very compelling. We're going to go to a very quick break. We have a great show for you today. So come right back. We're going to talk more deeply on inclusion and topics that have reached every corporate boardroom as a result of the most recent social crisis. Come right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with two 
top performers here from Linkage, both Jennifer and, and Susie. And, and Susie, we want to ask you uh, from your expertise, and I imagine this is a good question that, that comes up. Uh, so what is the difference between diversity and inclusion? Yeah, thank you for the question. And Kathy, you did pronounce my name correctly, so thank you for that and for the introduction. Oh, I'm very, um, <laughs> very happy to be here, and thank you for the invitation. So there's a really big and important difference here. Diversity is largely about representation and demographics. And as Jen just spoke to, we don't have a great representation when it comes from diversity standpoint in many of our really important decision-making bodies within the United States. But inclusion is really about leveraging that diverse talent and fostering an environment that recognizes everybody's different perspectives and the contributions they can make even when those are very different than our own or what has formerly been valued in an organization. And that's really the key. You know, Verna Myers is an inclusion strategist, and she has been known to say diversity is inviting everyone to the party, but inclusion is really being asked to dance. And what I would add to that, because this is where I see the most difficulty with organizations, it is not only being asked to dance, but being able to dance with your own style even if that is very different from others. And for that style to be recognized, celebrated, pulled out, you know, pulled out of you. And the metaphor, I think, makes it a little too simple because it's actually a really a big struggle because the inclusion um, for the majority group, we don't like different. When we see different, we want to like it. We say that we want diversity, but as humans, when people show up different than the assimilated norm, it's actually really uncomfortable to us. And our brain sees it as a threat. And people don't realize that this is happening and how hard it is. So when you look at many organizations and leaders today, it's a very homogenous group. And so when they see people who are different, um, you know, it's, it's a struggle to have inclusion really work inside organizations. But the companies who are doing it well are really outperforming those who, who aren't. Susie, as you're talking about remembering... No, go ahead. I was just going to say I was just remembering uh, Jennifer's discussion on this uh, when she was talking about both of the books uh, that Linkage uh, has spent some time working on. Uh, one of them, of course, has become The Five Commitments of Purposeful Leadership and the other one, Mastering Your Inner Critic. And that inner critic, right, is the part that is the hurdle to inclusion, Right, because it, you're, what you're talking about is xenophobia. Right, it's it's a historical evolutionary programming that we have done because it protects us from outsiders. Because, of course, historically outsiders could hurt us. So it's uh-huh. interesting how a biological network is now impacting our ability to practice a behavior that is so essential to our survival. I'm sorry, Jennifer, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I'm actually super happy that you raised that. It was different where I was going to head. Where where I was going to head was, and I'll just connect with what you said, you know, although it is very natural for us to operate with the biases, to your point, because of how we have evolved, uh, there's also a danger in conflating um, diversity with inclusion. Many organizations are saying, look, if, if we just, hit our diversity targets, we should be really good. Like, give us a gold star. And many companies have gotten awards for their diversity target accomplishments. 
The problem with that is it does not mean the people whom you are bringing into the organization feel included and feel engaged and feel invited to dance. And therefore, you will not be effective at retaining those people. So we really do believe you need to look at diversity. You do need the people in key seats that do represent diversity, but that's not how you're going to keep them. You have to keep them, to your point, by, by kind of holding a mirror and creating awareness in terms of the biases that I hold, having other people shine that light on me so I can, you know, see my blind spots and then practice different behaviors. And I think that's where we're going to head next. You know, I I love that metaphor, uh, Susie, that you said. And, you know, we've all been in those situations at the dance, you know, probably more junior high or high school. You're there, Mm -hmm. but you're feeling so awkward. You're against the wall because no one's asking you to dance or you're too afraid to kind of offer what you want. So it's a beautiful metaphor. You're in the room, but you're not really feeling empowered, Jennifer, kind of like you're saying. So I think for the leaders, it's really important to say, okay, how do I now, if they're in the room, which, again, is a big question mark, um, how do I get their best uh, input, you know, into the conversation? So, Jennifer, the next question we have is just about the role of uh, inclusion in your in your model of the purposeful leadership. That's exactly right, and so that that answers that starts to answer really the question: like, how do you actually do this? And this right. is where I. Uh, It's one of the reasons I came to Linkage. I was so impressed with the depth of the work we have done over decades in really answering the question, what is it that the best leaders do? So as Kathy mentioned, we did surface a model. We call it purposeful leadership. And we know that leaders operate with the five commitments. So to inspire, to engage, to innovate, to achieve, and become. We did a whole separate show on that. What I want to talk about now is about a year ago, we asked an even deeper question, which is, what is the role of inclusion and inclusive leadership behaviors in leadership effectiveness? How closely do they correlate or how closely do they relate? Could one predict another? And so without going too deeply in the science, we mapped about 16 of the behaviors, of all the behaviors we measure in our leadership assessments, about 16 mapped specifically to inclusion. And we held those out and we isolated those. And just to give you an example or two, these are things like, you know, does this leader show empathy and concern for others? Or do they encourage a culture where people speak up regardless of their experience or background? So even though we'd been measuring all those items across the last many, many years, we studied them standalone, and we called it our inclusion scale. And what we found surprised us to the point that we um, not only kind of rushed the publication of that research, but we also immediately changed our measurement and our Purposeful Leadership 360 to hold those leaders out, uh, hold those behaviors out separately. So that inclusion scale now is so, is so closely related to leadership effectiveness that if all you did was measure those behaviors, you could predict the effectiveness of the leader. And so we talk about how do you actually make leaders aware of if they're operating in an inclusive way. And we measure that based on the perception of the people that they engage with. So their direct reports, their peers, their manager. And we got feedback about a year ago at our Global Institute for Leadership Development that said, holding out that inclusion scale 
added more value to the leadership assessment because it finally created this understanding of what I am doing as a leader that is either um, leading to a feeling of inclusion by the people I engage with or it's hurting that feeling of inclusion. And I think Susie will go a little bit deeper into what those specific behaviors are. Yeah, that would be really helpful. Susie, can you get just a little bit more specific about this whole idea of inclusive leadership behaviors? Yeah, thank you. So as Jennifer mentioned, we identified 16 behaviors within that 360, but we put them to make it really easy for leaders and organizations to measure this behavior, which was the most exciting part. We created something called the Delta, and it's really five um, different categories of behaviors. So let me just speak to each one of these briefly. The first one is really discusses respectfully and honestly. And what we see here and what we mean is that we often see that people of color and women don't receive the same amount of feedback or the quality of feedback as their white male peers. And again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's uncomfortable for me to give feedback to someone who's not like me. Our similar to me bias is so strong uh, that we treat people different than us differently. And that contributes to the uneven playing field that we still see today. There's more under this one, but that's really the most important piece. The second one was empowers others or is empowers others, and this is such an important one. This is about, you know, at the dance, being asked to dance in your own way. This is where the leader can see the uniqueness that people bring to the table and they leverage it to the fullest. They shine a spotlight on it for others to see. And in our most recent research that I think we'll talk about later, this is really actually one of the most important inclusive behaviors that a leader can do. And I will say in my own career, I have had leaders who have done this so well for me that I would run through a brick wall for them. And I'm sure you have all had that similar situation. When leaders do this, if they want their teams to outperform others um, and have, you know, have really high performing teams, they absolutely have to do this. And I will say Jen has actually done this really well at Linkage. The third one is leverages relationships. And by this, we mean leverages relationships to help and support others that leaders use their privilege to open doors for others and connect people across the organization. So they're building relationships outside of their current circle, which is usually a very homogeneous group. And what I saw happen a lot in the organization I came from and the people that I consult with and coach now is that they see their leader going to lunch with the same person, their same buddy again and again, and it's the same person they're going to happy hour with or to the bar with after the off-site meetings. And those relationships then grow stronger. That person gets more opportunities to grow. Meanwhile, the other people feel less connected to that leader and ultimately feel excluded on some level, which, again, contributes to this unequal playing field. The fourth one is really about being transparent and open. And this is really two things. When people are transparent and open about who they are, it's easier for me to connect with you and trust you. If I know you, I trust you. That's a form of inclusion. I am letting you know who I am and what's important to me. It's also about sharing information equally. If you go back to, you know, going to the bar and to lunch with certain people, I'm sharing information every time I do that. And it's not intentional, but the unintentionality of it is really what creates exclusion. So leaders need to be very thoughtful and intentional about how they're sharing information to create cultures of inclusion. Susie, and then I'm just going to ask you to hold your oh, hold sure. just hold that thought. No worries, it's, it's beautiful. We uh, we've got to take a quick break. Um, this is such exceptional information. I hope our listeners 
are as just engaged as I am. So don't go away. We're going to be right back. We're going to finish this discussion on Delta. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. <clears throat> We're Talking with you know two of the key executives at Linkage and and talking about diversity and inclusion and uh, Susie before we went to the break you were talking about the sixteen behaviors that were rolled up into the acronym of Delta and that research showed the five hallmarks uh, of an inclusive leader so you mentioned D discuss uh, discusses respectfully and honestly E empowers others L leverages relationships and T uh, being transparent and open. So now we got the last one of that, uh, you know, the A, actively creates psychological safety. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so this one's really important, and it's been in the literature for years, the powerful impact of this. I think this is where we have really struggled. We know if we look at the current landscape that 72% of baby boomers were white, but we're going to look at Gen Z and Gen X and see that only about 50% of that's going to be the case. And, you know, fewer people are identifying as heterosexual right now. So we're going to have a big change in the landscape. And people need to be able to bring their full self to work and feel like it's safe to be all of who they are and speak up and have opinions that differ from the majority group. Um, And most importantly, they need to be able to tell their leaders when they have felt marginalized or invalidated. And I think this is some of the most important work we are seeing have impact in the organization. Um, inclusive leaders really want to know if I've um, done something that has unintentionally offended you or marginalized you, and um, they want to know that so they can make a difference there. And again, I've seen Jen do this really great in our organization, and I've seen the impact of that, so it's powerful. Susie, as you're uh, talking, and and obviously we've had some very uh, great and, uh, I want to say, holistic perspective conversations uh, with Jen on the subject. You know, why is inclusive leadership today even more important um, in this global crisis? I mean, it sounds like a, a silly question, but many of our listeners need to make the case to their mm-hmm. own constituents. And, you know, I'd love mm-hmm. them to get some nuggets here. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Yes. So there's really three important things that I see, and there's probably more, but to, to simplify it, I would put it in this way. Right now, in highly uncertain environments, we really need inclusive behavior so we can preserve revenue and stay viable as companies. Um, as I just spoke to that last one, in times of crisis, we need people to bring their entire full best selves to work and not only provide the increased discretionary effort I talked about when, when I feel empowered to get the job done, but also we need them to, to help to raise concerns and we need them to come forward with innovative ideas to help us thrive and get through this and find a new way to work. The second is what I just spoke to earlier too. It's this continuing and accelerating shift in our workforce demographics and technology. And this has actually made it even more difficult for leaders to know how to be inclusive. You know, leadership is tough work. It is really, really tough work. And the explosion to remote working, um, the technology, just the difference that COVID has brought has made this hard for, for leaders, but they'll have to figure out how do I engage people in a remote setting? And once they figure this out, um, you know, it'll be a differential investment up front, but once they figure it out, it's going to, it's going to be something they're going to need from this point going forward, I think. It's really important. And then finally, um, right now, most employees are doing more with less. They're doing more than their job. And it's leaving people that are working from home feeling like they have to work 24-7 or beyond 24-7. Many are taking care of kids or elderly parents. So a lot of the people that I've talked with and been coaching recently are just feeling burnt out. And it feels to me like almost another epidemic of just simply burnout. So inclusion, belonging, continually being recognized for the value that people are bringing in this really difficult time is really going to go a long way and is so important. They need to feel that they're part of a community and they're part of something big and that their work is valued and they're safe and they're seen. So, Susie, this is so yeah. important what you're saying, and Kathy and I deal yeah. a fair amount, you know, with folks on the, on the burnout uh, spectrum you know, whether that's healthcare or whether that's the military or law enforcement, you know, or, or people in the corporate world, you know, I know the people that I've been coaching, they're often working two to three hours more. I mean, so from the time that they would be commuting, mm-hmm. they're in front of a screen. So there goes what could have been listening to, you know, pleasant music or whatever else on their way to work. Now they're already, mm-hmm. they're already working. And yeah. So with that, you know, Jennifer, we get the next question for you. So what advice would you have for HR professionals who want to take some steps in their organization to become more inclusive in an environment? It sounds like that's one of the areas that with linkage that you folks, uh, you know, provide is that consulting aspect and, and training aspect. It is, really, and, and even before I dive in there, just to, to finish on the last point, yeah. I do want to bring in a story from uh, my mentor who uh, you may know. His name is Alan Mulally, and he ran uh, both yeah. Boeing and Ford during many crises. And I was kind of lamenting with him the other day my observation that in a crisis, many organizations default to less inclusion. You know, they want to make decisions quickly. They want to make them easily. So they default to um, maybe the, the executive team or the, the, their trusted advisors, all of whom are more homogeneous. And his perspective, and I agree, is that that's the absolute worst thing we can do to pull ourselves out of a crisis and innovate in the way that we need to move our organizations forward. So one of his mantras which uh, or, or structures he used was called the working together principles and inclusion was an incredibly important um, 
uh, principle in how he led, and especially during a crisis, the job to include everyone becomes that much more important. It doesn't mean we're going to work less. And so the, the burnout issue you and Susie were just talking about is real. But if people feel like they belong, that, they're just, that their opinion matters, that they're being sought after and heard, um, they, ha- you know, they are willing to put forth that discretionary effort. And that's, you know, that's something we're trying to help our clients with. And it's something, frankly, we're trying to do internally at Linkage as well. So you asked an important question. How do we get better um, on inclusion at the organizational level? So we talked about the individual level where we can actually measure those behaviors. We can kind of shine that mirror to help leaders see their blind spots. We can coach them. But at the organizational level, we also can measure the perception of the organization. At Linkage, we want to make inclusion very tangible and very practical. So one of the most recent things we've done based on our our latest inclusion research is what's called the organizational um, analysis or the the inclusive organization assessment. And then our consulting team, like, like Susie and her team, helps organizations decipher that. And what we do is ask, um, and it's a very quick, you know, six to eight minute survey that you can go, you can do 100 people, you can do 100,000 people, and then we can cut that data to help organizations see the perception of inclusion as it relates to the four critical levers. So your culture, your talent systems, your executive commitment or your executive action, as well as the individualized development that these populations feel they're getting. And the reason we think that's important is because up until now, organizations are doing the best they can on what we would probably call check-the-box activities, hoping that if we just sprinkle some fairy dust of quick unconscious bias training or um, tell people that we're committed to hitting diversity targets uh, or standing up employee resource groups. In and of themselves, those aren't bad things, but it does not mean that organizations have a comprehensive, inclusive organizational strategy. And so we want to get, we want to move beyond the, the sprinkling fairy dust and the checking the box into much more research-based diagnostic assessments that can help organizations create a roadmap on what they should be doing to really move the needle on being an inclusive organization. And we can measure that year after year. Jen, as you were talking, um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, as as you were talking, I, I remembered... Uh, a really interesting exercise um, that we do in our um, in our large academies uh, with emotional intelligence, and usually we would put people together um, by virtue of the things they have in common. And so, what we did in this exercise is we put people together in groups by virtue of what they did not have in common. So not only were their emotional intelligence, uh, you know, individual character traits, their behaviors distinctively different, but we put them into expressly male and female groups. And uh, we had one group sit out and watch. And the observers were right on target in what you were sharing in your research. And that is that while women don't think of themselves as a lot more inclusive than their male counterparts, 
if you watch a team of all men and you watch a team of all women, even with different emotional intelligence uh, aspects and traits like empathy, flexibility, assertiveness, the female team, everybody's talking, everybody's contributing. And in the male team, they wait for a leader to emerge, usually based on tenure or rank or experience, and then they follow. And it's a very interesting dynamic. So what you're sharing is so important because rarely do people get to see that in the workplace. And, and that's a perfect segue for where we're going next. What, what, would, what would you see in the workplace that would lead you to believe the perception of inclusion is changing and what do organizations need to actually do differently? And, and by the way, Kathy, just uh, to your point, uh, we didn't mention this before, but based on that data uh, that we surfaced from the million leaders around purposeful leadership, we did take a look at those inclusive leadership behaviors by gender. And interestingly, both men and women raters um, unanimously report that women operate as more inclusive leaders than men. So like taking aside the self-reporting, because women tend to underrate their own self-reporting, their raters, men and women, perceive women as more inclusive. So that's a huge strength that we can leverage as we're moving toward um, focusing on inclusive organizations is to leverage the role of the, of the woman leader uh, because it is more naturally predisposed, at least as you look at the data in terms of ratings. Oh, I wish we had a lot more we're, time. We're going to take right? our break and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities 
send approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are having such a fabulous conversation here with our friends from Linkage, uh, Jennifer McCollum and, and Susie Kelleher. So, Susie, I hear, um, you know, what you're saying, uh, uh, you know, about what's going on. And obviously, Jen and I got into a great conversation about these targets that organizations have. Can you talk a little bit about some of this groundbreaking research and what makes the difference uh, in terms of inclusion? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. You know, one of the reasons that I came to Linkage because is because they were so research-based and focused in what they were, you know, picking out into the world for leaders. You know, I sat inside the business unit for many years, and I was the person receiving a lot of leadership development, and some of it was fantastic and absolutely empowered me to be great, a great leader, and some of it was not. So, to me, it was really important that the work we do with leaders across the globe is really grounded in the research that's been validated. And so what we found when we went to look at inclusion, because just like purposeful leadership, we took a step back and said we've been in the space of inclusion for a number of years because it's the complement to the, the work we do with advancing women leaders. We have to teach leaders to be inclusive or we're never going to move the needle um, on advancing women leaders. And what we found really was that there was a, there was a clear, um, there was a lack of a clear playbook for how to do this right. And that resulted in two really suboptimal approaches. And it's not from lack of great intention, um, but what was happening is you were seeing piecemeal options that didn't have impact, and you were seeing compliance-driven programs inside organizations when it comes to inclusion. So what we did was we studied more than 55 different drivers of inclusion through academic research, interview surveys, all of that, things like manager and peer behaviors, executive action, allyship programs, ERG, and of those 55, we found really only a handful had a significant impact on inclusion. And then we isolated it using medi- mediation analysis to find the top three, when there was three, three that actually very clearly rose to the top. And the first one was conducting inclusive meetings in an organization. And if you look back at the Delta behaviors that we talked about earlier, it's easier to see how important all of these behaviors would be for both leaders and people on teams when it comes to being inside a meeting, which most of us spend most of our day in, and really knowing how to do that in an inclusive way, which I would say most people don't have the toolkit or the skills to do that. The second was having executives who are fair, fair, equitable, and welcoming. And simply put is, are the executives walking the talk? And I cannot tell you how many D&I professionals I work with or L&D teams that are so frustrated that the executives say, yeah, we need to do something, 
but they don't really get on board. They're not really understanding and committing to what needs to be done. Um, and then finally, the third one was having leaders and managers who understand their, their team members' unique values and strengths. And we talked a lot about this when we talked about the Delta. This is so important that my leader knows my, my value. It's, they're shining a spotlight on it. They're giving me growth opportunities. They're giving me feedback. They're connecting with me um, the same way that they're connecting across the board. So those were the three really important things we found. And we feel like this is going to have huge implications for organizations because they now have a very clear idea of where to, to invest and spend their resources. And for us at Linkage, we have a very clear idea of how to go in and help and support these organizations. So I'm really excited about this work because I've been doing inclusion since I came to Linkage, and it's been powerful, but I've always known we need to do more and we need to do better. I love this conversation, obviously, and I, we have so much more that we, you know, we want to cover. Um, and I don't want to cut anybody off. I just want to say try this. Everybody just try this who's listening. The next time you are looking at an individual to bring into your company or to promote or to put on a team, do something I asked the School of Infantry at the U.S. Marine Corps to do, as you can imagine, right? Who gets promoted? Take the name and sex off of the document. Anything that shares the sex or the name of that person and just go through the document as though you're looking at a human being, okay, a human being with skills and look at the inclusion shift in how you view that person. It's amazing what small things can do to change our perspective, right? Small little things, as Carly likes to say, micro-initiatives that have a macro-impact. So one of the things, Catherine, along those lines with our emotional brilliance that, that we have is how do you start a meeting? You're talking about inclusive, inclusive meetings, and the analogy that we like to use, and we have uh, uh, some ways to start a meeting, kind of these leadership check-ins, we call them, this is the first five or ten minutes. And so the analogy is if you've ever played blackjack and you're at the table and you have not anteed up, you haven't put your chips up there, you get the evil eye from the dealer. Well, you're in the game when you ante up. And anteing up for an inclusive meeting is you've got to say something. And I think this helps if people are more introverted and extroverted that everybody knows in the first five or ten minutes everybody is going to say something. And then I think it helps, you know, one, getting everybody in the meeting, but even if you're one of those individuals, it helps you follow up on things because, you know, you already broke the ice. You've already said something. I love that, really. That's a great, a great um, idea for meetings. Yeah, and we can, we can share that with you. It's one of the tools that we have with Emotional Brilliance, and it's just a quick way to, you know, get everybody going because, like you said, some of the leaders don't necessarily have those facilitation skills, and it's like, oh, pick one of these sentence completions. Hmm. So I love that, really. I also think um, in order to ante up the environment, as Susie talked about before, the environment of psychological safety that I'm going to speak, and I know it's going to be, um, right. you know, I, I will be accepted as is. I'll give you a quick story. It just happened, you know, 48 hours ago, business hours ago. I was in a CEO roundtable of brand new strangers, and, and we were thrown into a Zoom breakout group, and uh, it was a group of six 
CEOs. There were two women. I was one and four men. And they were, you know, geographically diverse as well and um, culturally diverse. And in the first 30 seconds, the facilitator said, I need a note taker. And there was a male CEO that asked me first, so will you be willing to take the notes? I'm really bad at it. And I said, no, I'm not that comfortable doing that. I'm new to this organization. I I wasn't going to do it. Then he turned around and asked the second woman CEO if she would take the notes. And she said yes. And I thought, you know, I should say Uh, something. But it just didn't feel safe, and I didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a great example. It's tough because, you know, you know, women are the first ones to usually acquiesce in those circumstances and, and feeling, you know, empathy is also a strong quality. Right. So the second female probably thought, well, you know, this poor guy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. everybody who's listening right now is saying, I can't believe she just said that. But, you know, women are, women are tenders, right? We're tenders and menders. Um, we need to do more of what Jen was sharing, which is, you know, speak up and say, I'm not comfortable doing that. Or if you are good for you, um, everybody needs to have something that they, you know, feel good about, but it doesn't mean it's always taking care of other people because they're not good at something. And Jennifer, so, what, Jen, what, you know, saying something in that moment gonna, you know, <laughs> would have been, in a, you know, the idea example of the emotionally brilliant. How do you, how do you know what to say and say it? Uh, really? I, I know the time is going by really fast. We're not oh, going to shoot. a break. We're actually going to a close. So what I was trying to say was, Jen, please tell our audience where they can go for this fabulous four-day intensive virtual program with Women in Leadership. Um, perfect. So uh, a, a couple things as we close. We do have the most amazing virtual conference coming up November 9th through 12th, our Women in Leadership Institute First year in 21 years, it will be fully virtual, and you can go to www.linkageinc.com and find out more information and all kinds of flexible packages for you to engage in the keynotes and the assessment and the master classes and the learning teams. Um, and then finally, in closing, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kathy. No, I was just going to say, for those of you who received my newsletter or Relly's newsletter, please look for the link. We are giving you special promotional value with our friends here from Linkage to make sure everybody can afford to go. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. 